0: Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast. It's Monday morning here after the first long uh, weekend of the NCAA tournament. a little tired, a little groggy, uh, but that's me. That's Kevin McNamara. Uh, nothing compared to Bill Koch who is uh, he's flown across the country from Sacramento and we also have general columnist Bill, Reynolds here, fellas. Nice to see you guys on a
1: Monday morning. Okay, Mac. Pleasure to be here, safe and sound. Uh, you know, it was a long night, long flight back from the West Coast. Uh, you know, disappointing ending for Rhode Island out there. Um, you know, but great as always to see some NCAA tournament action in person. You you realize just how great the sport is and how great the games are when you're in those arenas on those nights. Yeah, right, we're gonna hit that a little bit. Uh, um, right off the top, uh,
0: for anyone who unfortunately didn't see the game. My guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you not only saw the game, but are still grieving over the game, where Oregon rallied late to beat Rhode Island 75-72. Rhode Island carried the flow of the game pretty much all the way in a very bizarre uh, way. Stanford Robinson had easily his best game as a Rhode Island player, best game of his collegiate career, with 21 points. He and Jared Terrell uh, were very good most of the way. Jared ended up with 15 and 6 assists. But Rhode Island not only led Oregon and carried to play, but really did it without Hassan Martin, who uh, is nursing a sore injury, a sore knee injury and was limited to only 14 points. Um, uh, Billy Reynolds, I'll ask you, uh, I'll have to... Uh, specify which bill I'm looking for, but uh, just your your impressions off the top bill, they they just couldn't close the door down the stretch.
2: No, no, Kevin. I mean, well put. I mean, that game was certainly winnable and uh, they were right there, and that's the tournament, basically.
0: No, we've seen so many close games. I said to the people I was watching the game with, you know, again, Rhode Island had led by, well, by as many as 11 points uh, early in the second half, and with like three minutes to go, it's a tie game, there's like three minutes and ten seconds left. I said, Who wouldn't want this, right? You have that opportunity, a tie game with three minutes to go against a team like Oregon, that's a great opportunity.
2: The problem, though, was that they had swatted the 11-point lead, basically. So the the whole momentum was going the other way. That's the problem.
0: And momentum is so huge in this tournament. Bill, could you
1: feel Oregon coming on, or or did you ever really have faith that the Ducks were ready to close? Well, you kind of knew that the run was going to come. I mean, Oregon's too good just to go away. They made the Elite Eight last season. Uh, multiple pros in their starting lineup and, you know, as we see so many times in this tournament, Kevin, it just comes down to to one of those pros making a play, and in this case it was Tyler Dorsey um, you know, had 27 points in this game to lead all scorers 9 for 10 from the field uh, and a pair of just ice cold three-pointers within the last two minutes the last one with about 39 seconds to play out high that broke a 72 72 tie um, you know, just the type of play that the teams that advance make and, and the type of play that, you know, the teams that go home wish that they had made. Yeah, and
0: uh, if Rhode Island had to, you know, look at one scenario to have guarding Tyler Dorsey, it would be Karan Iverson with his, you know, six eight and long arms, and that's who he had up there, and he, he made the three right over Iverson, just as you said, an ice-cold three. That, that was the game's winning shot, but maybe the most important shot came the couple previous times down when... Uh, Oregon missed a free throw, and the uh, Ducks get two offensive rebounds and ended up with a, another Dorsey three from the corner. That, that that was really the game's most important sequence.
1: Yeah, Dana Altman, Oregon's coach, said it was the most important possession of the game. Uh, you know, rightly so. Uh, you, they go to the line. They're down four. They only make the first one. Rhode Island secures that ball with about a minute and a half to go. They're up three. They're on offense. You imagine them if they can execute and score there, they go up five, two possessions over. with a minute to go. Well, game's over. Probably. You're feeling good there, right, Bill that, Reynolds?
2: That, without question, of course, of course. But th- that's the tournament. I mean, that's what it like. It hinges on a play here, a play there, and um, story of the game, probably right there.
0: Yeah, Billy Reynolds. We, we were you surprised to see the Rams in that position? You know, again, looking at you know, E.C. Matthews was only four for 14 from the floor. They got very little from Hassan, and yet uh, you know.
2: Well, it's, there for the it speaks well to the future because um, right those two guys didn't do it for them, and mm-hmm. they've they've done it for you know, like three or four years here. And uh, Sanford Robinson, I mean, who is he? It's <laughs> like from TV, he looks like he looks like Matthews. He's wearing a headband, <laughs> the whole thing, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's making shots, and he's like, I never saw him do that. Did you? Mm-hmm.
1: I, 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 kn- I know Dana Allman didn't. <laughs> no, he had, no. He he actually, 21 matches his career high. He had 21 and a win at George Mason uh, earlier this year. That was off of back-to-back losses to Dayton and to Fordham. And that was the win that started Rhode Island's nine-game winning streak, which is what they carried into Sunday against Oregon. Um, you know, the best stretch that they've had under Dan Hurley, the, the longest winning streak they've had uh, since the 2007-08 season. Um, you know, and, and you look at someone like Stan Robinson producing that kind of performance and someone like Cyril Langevine coming off the bench, nine points and, and a team-high nine rebounds, just a freshman playing big in, in that occasion. And, you know, it speaks to the depth they have on this roster, the, the recruiting job that Dan Hurley and his staff have done, and, um, you know, speaks very well to the immediate future that Rhode Island could have here.
0: Before we look ahead a little bit, uh, just one more thing. that The one Stat that I think jumps out at, at me on the stat sheet is, is obviously free throws where Oregon was 18 for 27 from the line and the Rams were 6 of 8. Uh, I can go back and circle several fouls in that game where you're like, really? You know, that, that, that's a bump foul. Then again, Rhode Island, that's how they play defense. You know, uh, they're, they're a physical team. Uh, the referees in this game were three guys who we've never seen and don't come east. I'm sure they live. Either in Oregon or in California—that's just a joke—but it's certainly possible. Um, and uh, you know the Rams get called for 21 fouls, and Oregon gets called for 14. But I guess you can't expect an even whistle. But that's a tough—it's tough, awful tough to overcome.
2: Yeah, no, that's a tough number. It's what you said, Kevin. It's the way the Rams play basically. And uh, last night it bit them a little bit.
0: The one call that I think people are focusing on is the offensive foul on E.C. Matthews with a minute and change left. Uh, you know, it looked like he almost tried to avoid some contact there. With uh, was it Brooks who took the charge? It was Dylan Brooks, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, it was a costly offensive foul there. there I believe it was a tie yes. game. There was a second chance they had to break the tie, and uh, you know, Oregon
1: comes down and takes the lead on the next play. It was one of those. It was like watching a car accident in slow motion uh, because you see, you know, he sees coming down the left wing, and Dylan Brooks is kind of standing there waiting for him to come to the rim, and you know, you're hoping as a URI fan, that EC will just pull up and maybe put it off the glass from five feet. And instead, he tried to get it all the way to the rim. And you know, whether or not it was a block charge, I couldn't tell from my angle in the arena at full speed. I know the, the replays later on showed that, that Brooks might have been moving. But Matthews opened the door for that call to be made, for it to be a 50-50 call, and for it to land on heads and go against Rhode Island. And, and I don't think you know whether or not the officials got it right uh, they didn't necessarily do themselves any favors there. I, I also think that you know Rhode Island scoring just 26 points in the second half. They only shot 40 percent. That's much more like the Oregon defense <coughs> normally plays. Uh, they're a top 25 unit, uh, long, physical inside. You know Rhode Island uh, in the second half struggled to get to the rim, struggled to penetrate because of that length outside. Um, you know, so foul shooting is a very easy number to to zone in on. Uh, but you could look at some other areas in the game uh, where Oregon enjoyed an advantage, most particularly on second chance points, which you know Dana Altman says that's the most important possession of the game where they get a, a second chance three. Oregon doubled up URI there, 22 to 11 on 15 offensive rebounds. That helps.
0: Uh, you can't give a good team second chances. Uh, uh, we're going to try to put this run uh, that Rhode Island had into some perspective here. Uh, uh, I thought Bill Reynolds uh, wrote something on the weekend for the journal that kind of crystallized a little bit that it, it was Rhode Island's uh, long overdue uh, and first in a while chance on the big stage. And the NCAA tournament is the big stage of the sport. Um, and uh, I don't think what happened yet, uh, last night uh, did anything to diminish that. If not, it even helped it because they pushed a team like Oregon to the very end.
2: Well, I think you're <clears throat> right, Kevin. I think it helps. it, and I, I mean, obviously... Dan Hurley is a name. He's a name in college basketball. We all know that. Everybody knows that. And yet, on a national stage, that was his defining moment in many ways. I mean, they were right there. They could have won the game. It's, a, <laughs> I guess, a great team. And it's the, it's, it's, it's the NCAA tournament. And I think that Dan Hurley certainly helped himself. And, and Rhode Island basketball helped themselves. I and mean, that was a, um, yeah, it would be better if they had won, of course. But they certainly um, did themselves a lot of good
0: and of course this is what we do in sports and in sports writing is uh, okay well that season's done so how are they (laughs) going to be next year (laughs) well uh it's the last we've ever seen of Hassan Martin and Karan Iverson two guys who really had quite a run the last couple years uh, with the Rams uh That should be it, though. Correct, Bill Koch? It's really just those two who are leaving, who are graduating.
1: Should be at this point. Uh, You know, you pay tribute to Hassan Martin. Uh, Dan Hurley said in the postgame last night he's dealing with a knee injury that he might have picked up during the Atlantic 10 tournament. It was a shame to see him go out the way he did uh, with no points and no rebounds. Uh, That's not reflective of the player he was at all over four years here. Uh, You know, one of the most... Physically dominant guys in the A10 over that span. He led the league in block shots all four seasons. He's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, you know, great character kid who will be missed. Karan Iverson, transfer from Memphis, uh, a guy who they rehabilitated in a way. Uh, his image coming out of Memphis, and you know, a guy who who was very beneficial to them on the floor. Uh, you know, was averaged almost a double double this year in league play. Um, you know, and, and a guy who's a high-level talent who could have a chance to do something professionally going forward, uh, he's certainly going to have some NBA tryouts. Um, you know, because like you said, his length and, and his skill set. Um, you know, and you feel like he's really just kind of gotten started here over these two years of college basketball. They're really the, the only two full seasons that he played. Uh, but with what Rhode Island has coming back, I see them as the Atlantic 10 preseason favorites next year. Uh, You're looking at E.C. Matthews as a fifth year guy, Stan Robinson uh, as a fourth year player, Jarvis Garrett and Jared Terrell as fourth year players, Uh, two freshmen who developed very nicely this year in Jeff Doughton and Cyril Langevine. Um, You know, need a little help? You have one scholarship left. You'd like to get some front court help, Uh, you know, some sort of wing scorer, whether it be a forward or whatever, or, you know, somebody who can help you out on the paint. But, the league projects to be a little bit down, and, and I don't see Rhode Island going anywhere at this point. Uh, you know, I certainly see an opportunity for them to stake their claim as one of the top two or three programs in the league going forward. Well, and that's really been what
0: Hurley has talked about in the last several weeks here. When Rhode Island get going again, is you know th- this is the scenario that he wants to see unfold. You know, every February and March that they're in the mix for a conference championship and have a chance to be in the NCAA tournament, and uh, certainly it looks as if next year. It, They do have a good chance, especially looking at the losses, personnel losses that Dayton and VCU have. Uh, Those teams are both loaded with seniors as well.
1: No, no. Significant at Dayton, uh, they lose a class of four seniors that won more than 100 games there. Uh, You know, you're looking at Scucci Smith, Kyle Davis, Charles Cook, and Kendall Pollard. uh, You know, really, really good players uh, and from different positions on the floor. VCU. Can Scucci come back, by the way? We need, if anything, we need some more Scucci. Don't
0: we,
2: Bill? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you bring the name back. Not him.
1: Yes, uh, and then at VCU, you're looking at losing Mo alley Cox uh, and Jaquan Lewis, so they get hurt on the perimeter and on the inside. Um, you know, so definitely, you know, some losses there. Those are two great programs. Uh, you know, that's not to say that they're going to sink to the bottom half of the league or anything like that. Um, you know, but Rhode Island certainly has, um, you know, more weapons. Uh, in tow coming back next year and, and Dan Hurley I would imagine would use this run uh, this win in the NCAA tournament this near miss against Oregon just to motivate his guys going into the summer and then into next fall um, Bill I'm going to Bill Reynolds I'm going to dismiss you after this one more
0: observation that you and I seem to talk about every year and at some point whether it's you know the middle of conference play or it's the league tournament or if you're fortunate enough to get the NCAA tournament you hit a wall where you're like, wow, okay, that's the next level. That's the next level talent. That's the next level team. We're not quite there. Uh, you know, Rhode Island had an eight-game winning streak uh, to get it to get into yesterday's game, nine-game winning streak to get into uh, yesterday's game, with uh, really two good wins, if you think about the nine, uh, VCU and the conference championship uh, game, and obviously a first-round NCAA tournament game against Creighton. Now, neither one of those teams were top-25 teams. Then you have to, then you finally hit that wall against Oregon, where you look across on the other bench, and as Bill said, there's multiple NBA prospects and a team that's been there before, and then you ask yourself, how big is the gap? You know, how how big is the gap between Rhode Island and Oregon? And it's a big gap, and yet, they lose seventy-five, seventy-two. So right, uh, right. I, I, I'm not sure what all that means, but I think every season, and Providence actually had the exact same situation that they hit it against USC. USC was better; they have better players, uh, and, and blew a seventeen-point lead. So, you know, uh,
2: you know, I think both programs they need better players well, we to, all to take that better, you know, well, next step. Yeah, we all know this. I mean, it's not. You can't have, like, one great recruiting year every three or four years. You need talented players coming in all the time if you want to be a team on that, on that level. It can't be, uh, you can't have a trip to the NCAA tournament for, for the first time in 18 years. I mean, that's, that's not a big-time program, basically. And so what Hurley has to do, what Rhode Island has to do, is build on this. Right. And they certainly have the potential to do that. Sure.
0: No. Uh, uh, as we just said, uh, certainly a good chance to get back to the tournament next year uh, to do damage. In the, as I say, th- there's no flukes in the Sweet 16. You know, the, occasionally there's one. Right. Right. There might be one and a half a year, but look at this year. I mean, they're all. Real programs. There's no flux in the Sweet 16. sure. And
2: and in order to get to the Sweet 16, it's really, really hard. Of course it's hard. And and as we know, it's about recruiting. It's not really about coaching. It's about recruiting. And you have to have the kind of players. I think if you look down the road, the best thing that came out of this run for me was those two freshmen who stepped up, and they're players Uh, right
0: yeah, no uh, And Langevin.
2: I, I yeah, think we could see them start yeah. next year with no right. questions. They're players, and uh, they surprised me how like how good they are now and ready to play. And that's 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 the mark of a of a real program rather than having a great team once in a while.
1: That's right. It, that's that's a key distinction to draw. What Bill just said, um, you know, the fact that what Dan Hurley envisions is not one team that will make an NCAA run and then three or four years in the wilderness. He wants a program which means multiple teams making multiple runs, winning multiple NCAA games, like Dayton has, like VCU has, like the teams in the power conferences are. That's what he's aspiring
2: Sh- to. Sure, and that's certainly better than having a team every X amount of years come out of nowhere, make a great run, and get everybody excited. And then then the... Then the next year, they're depleted, and the program goes into hibernation again, and then you wait X amount of years and do it again, and that's 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 great. It's wonderful, but, but it's not a great program.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Rhode Island hasn't exactly done that. As we know, Jim Barron had some very good teams with the Rams. It's not as no if that they were in the wilderness no, for no, 18 no years. But, uh, you know, th- there is an opportunity here for Rhode Island to put together some sustained success. And that's what everyone's looking
2: for. Yeah, get to the uh, NCAA maybe three out of five years or whatever. But, yeah, you just, it can't be Hey, In today's basketball world, for the peripheral fan, the only thing that matters is the NCAA tournament. And you are, you are evaluated by that if you're a coach in a program. You know, when did you go to the tournament? What did you do in the tournament? And, I mean, Kevin's right. Jim Barron had very some, some very good teams down there, but, the albatross around his neck would eventually got him fired and he had never been to the NCAA tournament. And that's what you're trying to do. It's not like one great season coming out of, you know, like once every two, once every two decades.
1: And then the next level is making the tournament annually, like Providence has, making four straight trips, but actually winning some games in the tournament. And we saw Providence again this year as we transitioned, yeah. playing against USC out in Dayton, falling a little bit short. Yeah, no, uh, again, we, we keep keeping you here with more
0: observations, Bill, but uh, that does spin into Rhode Island. We'll run at, uh, to Providence. Providence has achieved what we just described, what Rhode Island would like to do. I think Dan Hurley would be thrilled to say four years from now, I've made the tournament four years in a row. Well, Ed Cooley's made the tournament four year four years in a row and has one win to show for it uh, on a last-second layup uh, with, with some pretty good players, You know, only one one-and-a-half NBA players, but... Uh, again, I guess the the question is, Rhode Island, uh, Providence's situation, four years in a row in, and we're not really making much damage, I, I guess that's the next question is, what can they do to be a factor?
2: Well, I think that having everybody back essentially next year is, uh, that's, 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 that's the first key, because usually with these teams, what history tells us, you have a great season, and then the next year you're starting almost from ground zero again, and um, that's It's a wonderful story, that run, but to have a big-time program that's going to get to the NCAA tournament routinely, you have to have more than that, obviously.
1: Well, the X Factor for Providence is the commitment from the school. They're building the practice facility. Sure, It's a $40 million facility. The schools that are able to do this are the ones who continue to advance from positions of strength, not from positions of weakness.
2: Right, right. Uh, That's
1: That's what Rhode Island is hoping to get to. That's where Providence is trying to take the next step yeah, from absolutely. now it's if if you're a friar fan, as hard as it is to believe at this point because we're going to talk about you know how they they blew a big lead against USC and ended up out of the NCAA tournament, it is a nice problem to have in the NCAA landscape. Oh absolutely
0: yeah uh, I mean absolutely. the people who are complaining that you know Cooley hasn't done anything for four years mm-hmm. in the and the NCAA are legitimate complaints, however, They've been in the tournament for four years in a row That's for the, right. for the right. first time in history. Right. And, and, you know, you, you do not have a practice facility currently. Uh, I believe the only one in your league. You're way, 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 way behind uh, on that front. The good news is uh, there's trucks up there and they're digging, but it needs to be up yesterday because recruits are walking in there assuming that you have one and you don't. Um, they see a hole. Yeah, they, which is progress. Well, you know? but it's a whole. But uh, it, it will be interesting to see what Providence can do uh, going forward uh, and building on this four year run. My take is, again, back to what I asked before, is uh, they may have everybody back, but they don't have those upper level players that you're going to run into in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, the, Rodney Bullock's a good player, potential All League guy. Kyron Cartwright, same thing. good, Very good point guard, potential All League guy. But they don't have anyone like Benny Boatwright or Chemezi Metu, or, uh, for Oregon, uh, Tyler Dorsey. And, or, you know, they had one last last year. Was, his
2: name was Chris Dunn. And they had one, uh, Ben Benton, and he left. So, it's you know, it's um, like a lot of it is kind of luck and problematic. But the key is, is to be able to be in the hunt every single year, which creates excitement. It puts people in the seats. It gets people talking about it. And as we all know, once The toughest thing is getting in the tournament. Once you're in the tournament, it's a whole different reality. And and history has told us teams can win. I mean, the Patino team in 87, would anybody thought they were going to do that? Of course not. Certainly not. The Rams team in 88 or whatever it was. I mean, no, those – I mean, to me – Looking at this long term, the key is to get in the tournament because the tournament's its own reality, and, and we've seen it play out in a variety of of, of of fluky ways through the years. But you have to be in the tournament to have the chance to get a you know a break.
0: No, and that leads us to the last thing here in the podcast is the actual tournament. What we saw this weekend, I'm just looking for a few takeaways from both of you guys. Uh, uh, there's no great upsets. You know, the, the, the highest seed still remaining is. Uh, I believe it's Wisconsin uh, I'm sorry, uh, Xavier as an 11 and anyone who saw Xavier play Maryland and Florida State would say those teams are just no good. Uh, My takeaway is the ACC was disastrous. I mean they really should be 0 for 9 Uh, they had 9 bids, 8 are gone North Carolina is the only one left and uh, how they survived against Arkansas, I have no idea because uh, the referees bailed them out big time with that charge late in the game but uh, the only double-digit seed left is Xavier. Uh, Wisconsin, as an 8, is still alive, but an uh, awful lot of
1: chalk. Now, if you look at the brackets, in the last 16 left, you see one team from outside of the Power Five in the Big East, and that one team is Gonzaga. They're not exactly the little sisters of the poor. They're number one seed in this field and, and very much a threat to win the West region. Um, Wisconsin beating Villanova. It's an upset by seed. It's an eight over a one. But Wisconsin starts four seniors in the Big Ten. They were in the Final Four during the careers of those four players. Yeah, this is no I'm sure Wisconsin looked at Villanova and thought, sure, they're a nice team. They're pretty good. But they're not thinking, oh, no, we have to well, play Villanova. No, no, certainly not in their mind. Take now, a step
2: back. Take a step back. You have... College basketball now is full of kids who have all come through the AAU experience. they played in national tournaments and regional tournaments. Kids' players are not intimidated by other players. They're not intimidated by other regions. They've all played against these kids for years and years and years. It's a question of, you know, who's better on a particular day? But the intimidation factor is not there. The sense of, oh my God, we don't belong on the same stage with them is not there. That's why you see so many upsets. and. Guaranteed. You put kids in a room and put a lie detector on them, and they think they can win games. There's no question about that.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, you know, you, you see these teams from around the country, and also I think because so many games are on, uh, they know who Lonzo Ball is. If you're at Wisconsin, or you know, if you're at Gonzaga, you know what North Carolina has. You know, because yeah, you watch them on TV, and you're like, them. okay, yeah, you know, we,
2: yeah. we can you play could, with them. And you probably played against them, like along the trail somewhere. Yep. Well, we're going to let Mr. Koch
0: go home and and snooze a little bit. He's got to to get his legs back under him, and uh, we hope to have another podcast later in the week when we will break down the Sweet 16. Thanks very much.